Hi, and welcome to the Little Ferraro Kitchen Food Show. I am Samantha with the Little Ferraro Kitchen. I'm a food blogger, a cookbook author, and a cooking instructor. On this show, we'll be talking all about weeknight cooking, recipes, fun ingredients. Basically, if you love cooking and love talking about food, this is the place to be. Welcome back to the Little Ferraro Kitchen cooking show. My name is Samantha Ferraro, your host. And if you love cooking and love eating and love talking about food as much as I do, you are in the right place. Please don't go anywhere because we have so much fun on our food talking episodes. I know you will love it and leave hungry. I always like to start off the episode with what we've been cooking in our kitchens this week. And we have been cooking a lot. (laughs) If you follow me on my Instagram page, or if you follow me on my website, which is littleferrarokitchen.com, and my Instagram is ferrarokitchen, you will see that we are celebrating my favorite fruit of the entire world, which are tomatoes. We are doing a full-on tomato week this week, which means every day this week, I am sharing a new tomato recipe. There are tomato videos, there are links to recipes, there are recipes, and it's just been so much fun. So each day this week, I've been sharing a different tomato recipe, and I'll share some of the highlights. So one of my favorite recipes that I've made, and some of them have been new, and some of them have been um, kind of like tweaked and upgraded versions of old recipes. But one of the recipes I made are Greek tomato fritters, and they are so lovely, so light, and so simple. And basically, what you're doing is you're taking beautiful vine-ripened tomatoes, you're chopping them up into little cubes, and then you're adding these beautiful Greek Mediterranean aromatics and flavors. So lots of fresh herbs. There's a lot of fresh dill, some mint, some parsley, some oregano, and some feta cheese is mixed in. A little red onion is mixed in. And you just bind everything with just enough flour just to make it like a paste. And this works with all-purpose flour or a gluten-free flour blend. Anything that just helps hold all of those items together. And then you get to frying. So you heat a pan with some high smoke point oil. And I like using either uh, avocado oil or even olive oil can work in this because you're not frying it too for too long. Usually olive oil, I'm very nervous about frying for too long, but for these, these are okay. And then you just form them into small tablespoon-sized fritters. You fry until golden brown, and then you top with some beautiful garnishes that you put inside your fritter. So some more feta cheese, some more fresh herbs, and maybe a squeeze of lemon juice. And they are so delicious. They're very light and herbaceous and a little creamy from that feta cheese. So delicious. Another highlight tomato recipe that I did for this tomato week was a tomato fatouche salad. I may have talked about this before, but if you're not familiar, a fatouche salad is a very popular Middle Eastern salad. And what makes it a fatouche salad is crispy pita chips that are thrown into the salad. Kind of think of, you know, croutons in a salad, or if you had that Italian salad called panzanella where they put toasted cubes of bread. Very similar, but instead we're doing some pita chips. And I took some gorgeous heirloom tomatoes. You know, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, we're a little late on tomatoes (laughs) this year. We've had a late spring, a long cold spring, so things are a little bit late. But I was able to find some beautiful heirloom tomatoes. 
And what you do is you chop the tomatoes up. I also added some cucumber. I also added some more fresh mint and fresh dill. And then I made this really nice tangy vinaigrette. There's balsamic vinegar in there. There's a little pomegranate molasses, which is reduced pomegranate juice. It's very tart. And the texture is very viscous like molasses. And I put a little honey in there just for a little sweetness and olive oil and shook it all up. I tossed that with those crispy pita chips and I topped it with some more fresh herbs and a little olive oil. And it's just a very hearty, colorful, lots of flavor going on. There's tangy, a little sweetness, some freshness from the tomatoes. And it's just such a lovely, lovely salad. I will share a little trick. So you could either make your own pita chips or you can buy them at the store. Most grocery stores in the chip aisle sell bags of pita chips. And if you want to use those, you just buy a bag, open it up, roughly crush them up and add them to your salad. And it takes half of the work away from your salad. It keeps it super, super easy. If you want to make your own pita chips, it's pretty easy. You can buy pita bread, and again, you can often find that at most grocery stores in the bread aisle. If your local Mediterranean specialties has really delicious pita bread that I really like. And what you do is you have one of two options. You cut them into triangles, and you can either fry them on the stovetop with a little oil, avocado oil or olive oil, until they're nice and crispy. Or you can pop them in the oven about 400 degrees. I would drizzle it with some olive oil. You can season it with whatever you want. I do za'atar, salt, pepper, garlic powder, onion powder, sesame seeds, whatever you have. Pop it in the oven and let those toast in the oven for about 10 to 15 minutes until they're dried and nice and crispy. And then from there, you do the same thing. You crush them up, you add them to your salad, and now you have a delicious fatouche salad. If you do want to make this salad ahead of time, I would recommend adding the pita chips right before serving because they can get kind of soggy with all of that juiciness from all your vegetables and your tomatoes. So just keep that to the side and then when you're ready to serve, pop the pita chips on top, toss it together, and you're ready to serve. So that's what we have been cooking in our kitchen this week. We have been celebrating lots of tomatoes. Please visit my pages so you can see all these tomato recipes. It's just been so much fun. Again, Instagram for our kitchen or on my website, littleforourkitchen.com. I have so many other tomato recipes on there. And tomato season is just coming up here in the Pacific Northwest. So let's take full advantage of it. Now on to this week's episode topic. We're going to a different part of the world. And I don't know how many of you know this, but I grew up in Hawaii. I'm not originally from there. I'm originally from New York. But when I was a teenager, my mom and I moved to Hawaii. And that's where I spent most of my teens and my entire high school life. (laughs) And we still have some friends and family there. So we visit as often as we can. And Hawaii has always been such a huge part of my life and my upbringing and really how I love and appreciate food now. And there's a lot of similarities with Hawaii and the Pacific Northwest. Hawaii is a very, you know, beautiful agriculture uh, area. They love to grow their own food. They grow what they can. They eat from the land. And farmers just, they work hard and they respect what they grow and they want to share it with everyone. Same thing here in the Pacific Northwest. 
And um, because of that, I want to talk about, you know, Hawaii food and local food. I'm doing quotes in my in my hands <laughs> because I've been really honing in to that Pacific Island food that I grew up on and I miss and I would love to share it with you. One of my main goals as a food content creator is to get you excited about trying new dishes and new flavors, maybe some new techniques or new cuisines. And I know my fellow friends and colleagues in the same field are doing the same thing. But one of the things I notice is that if you were to go on Google and search Hawaiian whatever, Hawaiian hamburgers, Hawaiian kebabs, what will pop up are usually this teriyaki marinated protein with pineapple on top of it. <laughs> and then instantly it is called Hawaiian kebabs, Hawaiian hamburgers. If you were to visit Hawaii and go to any luau or any potluck or gathering, you probably won't see any pineapple there. At least when I was growing up, I don't remember seeing pineapple at most gatherings with friends and potlucks and, and whatnot. You might see some pineapple at a hotel luau on a Mai Tai, which is beautiful and delicious. But usually you won't see local Hawaiian uh, people enjoying, you know, pineapple kebabs or pineapple hamburgers. But instead, what you will see is this beautiful compilation of different cultures. What's beautiful about Hawaiian cuisine or really local cuisine is what's really called is that it's a true melting pot. What you'll find are dishes from the Philippines, Chinese influence, Japanese influence, Korean, Hawaiian, Portuguese. And you'll often have these dishes at, at one sitting from all these different parts of the world. And that is what is called local food if you were were to go to Hawaii. And on the contrary, Hawaiian food is slightly different, but you'll also be able to find it at most stores or restaurants that you go to. Some examples of local food is, for instance, something called saimen, which is kind of similar to a ramen, which is Japanese, but a saimen is a clear broth. It has noodles in it. It's a hot soup, and it's garnished with fish cake, with spam, which is a very Hawaii-influenced food, and some egg, maybe some char siu pork, but really that's it. It's very simple and very delicious. Another example of local food is something called Lokomoko. It's really popular in Hawaii. You may have seen it, may have not. And it was originally made for surfers. It's a very hearty dish. And what Lokomoko is, is, well, it's very hearty. <laughs> I already said that, but wait till you hear this. So it's rice. And then on top of the rice is some fried up onions and then a hamburger patty. And then some gravy that kind of covers everything. And then a perfectly fried sunny side up egg right on top. It's super hearty. It's very delicious. And there's all sorts of different variations. I'll tell you a funny story. When I was a teenager, I worked at Denny's in Kona on the Big Island. <laughs> and believe it or not, they actually had some pretty good items. I also was 17, but <laughs> they had some pretty good items. And one of them was a fried rice locomoco. And fried rice is also a very popular local food. And what they put in this fried rice was fish cake and Portuguese sausage and egg and green onion and spam. And it was so full of flavor. It was really delicious. And then they put the hamburger patty on top, the fried onions, the gravy, and the fried egg on top. If you're looking for something really hearty, <laughs> I definitely recommend making a locomoco. It's delicious, but definitely very filling. 
some other really popular local, and this could also go into the Hawaiian category as well. Well, I'm sure we are all familiar with what poke is. Now, poke is raw fish that is simply seasoned, and there are all different variations of poke. One of the first things I do when I go back home to Hawaii is I go to the grocery store. You go to the grocery store, go to the fish side, the seafood uh, department, and you will see so many different styles and flavors of poke. You'll see shoyu poke, which we'll talk about in a minute. You'll see a creamy based one with some mayonnaise. You'll see some with seaweed. You'll see some with different types of fish like octopus and shrimp. And there are just so many different variations. And what I like to do is I like to get about half a pound of different kinds and just kind of have fun with that and try all different flavors and the different styles. Now, one of my favorite and also I think one of the most popular ones is something called shoyu poke. Now, shoyu means soy sauce in Japanese, and that's what it is. So in Hawaii, they use shoyu exclusively exclusively versus tamari or other types of soy sauce. And I find shoyu to be a little less salty than tamari and other soy sauces. So I really like shoyu. And to make shoyu poke is you take some ahi tuna, you chop it up into about maybe half inch cubes, and then you season it with some shoyu, some seaweed, some sesame seeds. If you like a little heat, you can add a little red pepper flakes. There's also sesame oil and also a little Hawaiian salt just to bring all those beautiful flavors together. And a little goes a long way. If you have some green onion, throw that in. If you have some sweet Maui onion, or we live in Washington, some sweet Walla Walla onions would be perfect. Slice those really thin and then just toss everything together and then you can eat it as is. And one of the top questions I get asked is, where can you find sushi grade tuna? Well, actually, you can find it pretty much anywhere. Uh, I often always buy my tuna frozen so I know that it's safe to eat. And then I defrost it at home, chop it up, season it up, and I am good to go. Now, there's other variations of poke. Like I said, you can add some macadamia nuts to it, which would be really delicious. In Hawaii, you can often find one. uh, It's more like a Hawaiian poke where they add crushed up kukui nuts, which is kind of similar in texture to macadamia nuts. There's also a creamy spicy one where you can add some mayonnaise and maybe a little sriracha to your poke and toss that around. You can do poke with different types of fish, some salmon. You can also do it with, um, actually one of my favorite poke is called taco poke, T-A-K-O poke. And that is with octopus. And it's really delicious. It's a little chewier. It's not as buttery and fatty as ahi tuna is. But if you can find octopus and you like octopus as much as I do, definitely get it. It's absolutely delicious. I can't talk about Hawaiian food and local food without talking about the plate lunch. If you go to Hawaii, you must order a plate lunch. You'll find it often at lunch spots, those to-go spots, those places where you order at the counter and then you leave (laughs) really quickly. And a plate lunch is synonymous to Hawaii. You will find it everywhere. And what it is, is it consists of rice, mac salad, and some kind of protein. And there's different ways of Uh, how you can order it. So if you order a plate lunch with chicken, you're going to get one scoop of rice and one scoop of mac salad. Now, rice is a staple in Hawaii. You will always see a rice cooker on everyone's uh, countertop in the kitchen and every house. I Even I have a rice cooker. It's one of my favorite 
uh, easy kitchen tools <laughs> to use. And that's where that Japanese and Chinese influence comes in into local food. Now, rice is a staple. Like I said, it's classic short grain white rice. And usually whatever you order a plate lunch, even most dinners, it's going to come with rice, a classic white rice. Uh, mac salad is macaroni salad, another staple in Hawaii. And if you've never had Hawaii mac salad, I may have talked about this already. <laughs> it is really good and very addictive. It's basically a macaroni salad, lots of mayonnaise, grated onion, grated carrot mixed together. It's very creamy and very decadent. And then your protein, well, that's what your choices you have. So you can have Kahlua pig, you can have spare ribs, you can have shoyu chicken, you can have katsu or a curry, so many different variations depending on where you're going. And we can talk all day about all those different proteins. And there's so many, even I don't know all of them. But some of my favorites is shoyu chicken, which is what we just talked about. So shoyu chicken is a really simple dish to make. It's one of those really easy weeknight meals. And basically, you take some chicken thighs, boneless, skinless, put it in a pot, and then you add some shoyu or soy sauce, a little ginger, some garlic, a little brown sugar, and you just steam it, or not steam it, but you boil it until the chicken is incredibly tender and cooked through, and that sauce is thickened nicely. And it's really delicious because you can take that reserve sauce and put it over your rice, and it's just such a good combination. Another favorite is chicken katsu. So you will often find chicken katsu or pork katsu at most of these places in Hawaii. And that's where that Japanese influence comes in. And it's basically like a really crispy chicken cutlet. And they serve it with a katsu sauce, which is kind of like a Worcestershire ketchup combination. It's really delicious. It's a little sweet, a little savory, a little tangy. And then you would have that with your rice and your mac salad. So those are just a few ideas of what you can order on a plate lunch. Again, there are so many different things that you can order. There's fish, there's curries. I suggest try them all. <laughs> just try them all while you're in Hawaii. Why not? And of course, we cannot talk about Hawaii without talking about a little sweet treat. One of my favorite things ever is mochi. Now here on the mainland, I wish we had more exposure to mochi, but usually what we'll find is mochi that has ice cream in it. Now mochi is made with rice flour, so it's very chewy. It's also gluten-free. And when you go to the stores here, you will find mochi that's in a ball and then inside the ball has ice cream. And it's often in the freezer section. I see it at most grocery stores here. I see it at Trader Joe's, at Whole Foods, at Hagen, really any mainstream grocery store. But if you go to Hawaii, look for butter mochi, look for passion fruit mochi, look for coconut mochi. And what you're going to find is that this mochi is not in the refrigerator. It's actually left out on the counter, maybe by the bakery or by the checkout stand. And the one that we eat in Hawaii is butter mochi. And it's also made with rice flour. So it's kind of chewy and sweet. And it's almost um, made like a, almost like a, in a cake pan. And what you do is you add all of these ingredients together in a bowl. You add the rice flour and butter and coconut milk, or if you have passion fruit juice, add that in. You mix it all together. You make this thick batter. You pour it into your pan and you bake it. Now, butter mochi sounds exactly how it says. It's very buttery and it has that mochi, so that chewiness, that sweetness from that rice flour. And it is such a treat. And any grocery store that you go to, you will see all sorts of mochi. You might even see 
purple potato mochi, taro mochi, passion fruit mochi. There are so many different ways to make it, and they're so delicious. They're chewy and sweet, and there's no ice cream, but it's totally different than the mochi that we're used to here with the ice cream. So if you go to Hawaii, highly recommend seeking that out. Any grocery store, head to that seafood department first, then go to the bakery, and just make your way around the store, and you will have a true taste of Hawaii. I hope you enjoyed talking all about tomato recipes and Hawaii local recipes with me this week. I can talk about local food all day long. I might do a part two episode in the future because I have been really honing into that part of my life, all that beautiful local food, and I've been making it again and making more videos and and recipes with that food. So look for part two in the future. I'm still in the process of redeveloping these recipes. But until then, I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find all these recipes or most of these recipes that we chatted about on my website, littleforourkitchen.com. Don't forget to head to my Instagram page as well to see all of the beautiful tomato recipes that I've been sharing all week at Ferraro Kitchen. Until next time, happy cooking, and I will see you in the kitchen next time.